0: Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Well, We had, a, we had an incredible time. It was so fun. felt so refreshed. And I mean, I'm just excited to be able to, to jump into God's Word today. So we're in a series called Game Over, and I'm going to be hitting part two. And so go ahead and jump to your Bible to Judges chapter 6. If you know where that is, that's okay. Just go to your table of contents, and we're going to have it up on the screen. And um, we're going to have some fun today. I have a question for all of us. Has anyone ever pressured you to get out of your comfort zone? You're like, unfortunately, yes, they have. Um, You know, growing up, I actually lived in Southern California, and I just love the beach. I love being in the water. And if you know me, you know I am not an athletic person at all. Like, I'm clumsy, I'm I'm not that coordinated. Lauren loves to remind me in middle school, she played every single sport in the world. I'm like, cool athlete, awesome, good for you, all right? Stop living your middle school years. And so I wasn't athletic at all, and so going to the beach, I'm like, gosh, it'd be great to surf if I knew how to, (laughs) if I had the skills to, but there's this thing called boogie boarding for people like me that, man, you do not have to be coordinated at all. You literally just have to just flail your body into a wave with the board, and it'll catch you. It's pretty amazing, right? And maybe if, if, if boogie boarding is even too much out of your comfort zone, man, you can just body start. Just throw your body in there, catch a wave, right? It's incredible. So I love that. It was it was awesome. But 20 years old, um, when I hit 20, I went on a missions trip to Mexico, and so we we're out in the water, and it was a little you know a little more shifty out there. And um, I forgot what it was called, but those things in the water where it was a big hole and the water was swirling. Basically, I shouldn't have gone there. And, man, and I got stuck. And was a, I, had, I was having that man moment where I was like, I really should ask for help, but I don't want to. And I'm just going to see how far I can do this. And so a minute goes by, a couple minutes goes by, which feels like an hour when you feel like you're going to drown. Come on, somebody. And so I feel like I'm going to, and it's like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. I'm screaming, help, 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 right? Literally the whole beach looks at me, and I'm like, it's worth it. I don't, I'm not ready to die right now, Jesus. I love you. I love heaven, but come on, give me a couple more days. And so... I got, you know, the lifeguard pulled me out. I was solid, but you know what? It kind of freaked me out with the beach and the water. I just, I, there was a little bit of a, of a comfort zone that wasn't there. So, flash forward to two years ago, my best friend Eric, he was having his uh, bachelor uh, weekend. went to Tahoe. He said, "All right, guys, we're gonna go hang out. We're gonna, we're, we're gonna go in the water." And I'm like, "You know, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna chill here and do my thing." Seriously, you paid all this money to go to Tahoe. We're gonna go. We're going to go all these things. You're just going to chill. Yeah, I'm just not really feeling it. Are you serious? So they would not, like, take a no. So I had six guys pulling me into the water. I'm like, all right, I can do this. And so I think all of us in some way, we have felt that where we have gone out, we have put ourselves out there. But because there was a failure, because there was something that really just affected us, freaked us out, we've now put up a comfort zone. And we all put up a comfort zone, and that's okay. Um, We all have a comfort zone, and it's okay to actually have one. And I, you know, I'm a dictionary-type person, so I want to look up what a comfort zone is. So this is how the dictionary defines it, okay? A comfort zone is a place or situation where one feels safe or at ease and without stress. Doesn't that sound too good to be true? Sounds like you're dead, doesn't it? Like... A comfort zone is just like when everything's good, solid, no stress. And I think for a lot of us, like, we get a little too stuck in our comfort zone, myself included. I just, that's just too much for me. I'm just, I want to be in my comfort zone. I think we've idolized our comfort zone so much that it can actually remove faith from our lives. And so for a lot of us, um, really when we say our comfort zone, what we're really talking about is our control zone. Really for our comfort zone is if I can't control it, I ain't going to do it. If I, man, I'm not going to ask out that person because I don't know what they're going to say, right? I'm going to control that, man. I want to go for that promotion. I want to go for that new job, but I don't want to be let down. So I'm going to control. I'm just going to put my head down, do my thing, and I'm just going to call it a day. And really what we're talking about is not just comfort, not just control. What we're talking about is fear fear and and so for this week as we talk about game over a lot of times the reason why we're in a game over is because the game hasn't even started yet because we're too afraid to begin it and so fear can have a grip on our lives so that for a lot of us we don't even realize whether it's in our jobs whether it's in our families and fear is crazy fear for a lot of us it can feel just like a feeling but it's more than that Fear is actually an external reaction to an internal belief. Meaning that, man, I feel so afraid because if I do this, if I fail, then I'm a failure. That if I, if I risk this, then man, then I'm nothing. So really when we feel fear inside of us, it's really pointed back down to a belief about ourselves and sometimes about God. So we have to look at it from that angle. Our comfort zone is really about our control zone. And, and, and Jesus is so sensitive to this in so many ways. In that when you look at the Bible, there are over 365 scriptures that say, do not fear. He knew how much fear would have a, a way in our lives. He knew that fear would affect us externally. He knew how fear would affect us internally. So he's so sensitive to that. Because fear can have such a grip on our lives if we're not careful. Here's what fear can do. Fear can create people pleasing. Where I know I need to take a step of faith. I know I need to do the right thing. But man, I don't want to be seen as someone who's that person. I don't want to be seen as someone who's going to get rejected. But when we live in a place of people pleasing, then we can't be in a place where we're going to please God ultimately. And that's what Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 1, that if I came here to, um, to be served by you and to really be seen as someone that, man, you think I'm awesome, then I'm not really serving God. I'm really serving you. I can't be a people pleaser. I'm going to be a God pleaser. So fear also creates compromise. Because when we, when we live in fear, we're going to do what's convenient. And often what's convenient is there's compromise. On the other side of fear is faith, and when there's faith, there's conviction. That even though it may not be the easy thing, it, it's the right thing. So when, when fear grips a hold of our lives, it can keep us stuck and live in a life of compromise. And last but not least, what fear can do, it just creates a weak faith. And for some of us, we're like, wait a minute, I thought um, it's either you have faith or you have fear. I wouldn't say that, because fear is actually a form of faith. It's the wrong type of faith, and it's not actually faith in God, but it could be a faith in anything other than God. Because how many of you know if you have faith that's not in God, it's going to create some fear at some point? Whether it's your circumstances, whether it's, it's in your feelings, or maybe even in yourself. If you put your faith in yourself at some point, you're going to let yourself down. And so what fear does, it creates a weak faith. But Jesus, he's given us a promise that even though fear lurks out the door, he's given us everything we need to look at fear and say, you're a liar. And how many of you know that every promise that fear has made, it's never come true? It makes you want to think that it's real. It makes you want to think. Now, we, there is a type of fear that is good. If you stand on a cliff and you're looking down, you're not afraid, that's called denial, okay? <laughs> if you jump, whoo. <laughs> Good luck with that one, okay? So there's a healthy fear, and there is a healthy comfort zone. And I think if all of us trying to step out of our comfort zone every single hour of our lives, we would just vanish. I mean, it would be horrible. But there is a sense, too, that if we live and we settle in our comfort zone, then we're going to live a life of compromise. We're going to live a life of a weak faith. And we're going to live a life that's people-pleasing and not God-pleasing. And here's why this is so important, that if we can't step out of our control zone, then we can't step into God's calling for our lives. That's the big key. You're like, what's a calling? Like, what does that mean? I'm going to define this in two different ways. One is that we all have a calling to know Jesus, to love Jesus. That as believers, we're called to love him and to love people. I think a lot of times we can get it so twisted and um, and it's and it's all with the right intention. What's my calling? What's the one specific thing that God's going to ask me to do for the next fifty years of my life? Wow, that's narrow, right? And for some of us, that's possible. But for the majority of us, man, God's going to call us to different things in different seasons. But what's the universal is we're going to love God and we're going to love people. So, but but if we're if, if we're gripped by Fear, we're not going to live out our calling we're going to live in our control zone because when we're controlling it's going to be hard to live for God it's going to be hard to love people it's going to hard to serve people when we wholeheartedly love God we're going to give our lives wholeheartedly away to other people and so we got to step out we got to step out of our control so we can step into God's calling so that's the first aspect is that, man, we're called to love God and love people, but also God has called us to do great and amazing things. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 tells us that he's created us anew in Christ and he has prepared good works for all of us to walk in. So get that picture in your head. that If once we walk out of our control and we walk into God's calling, we're going to do things that was beyond our, our own imagination, beyond our own computation for our job. Where we've calling us to have a higher expectation for our job, where we've just been managing, 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 maintaining, 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 and God's like, I haven't called you to maintain. I've called you to multiply. I've called you to do things that are gonna freak you out. You know, you know how do you know how you spell faith? F E A R. You gotta be a little afraid sometimes. Some of you ATAPs are like, no, it's (laughs) F-A. Hear me out right now, okay? There's a good type of fear that we need to have. Because if we're always in control and we're not just a little bit afraid, man, there's something wrong. Faith is going to be risky at times. Faith is going to call us to trust when we don't feel like we can trust. Faith is going to call us not to trust our emotions, but to trust what God's saying. Cause I'm even know just because it doesn't look a certain way, it doesn't mean God's not saying it. It doesn't mean that God's not going to bring it to fruition. So we got to step out of our control to step into God's calling. For some of us, that's our jobs. For some of us, that's even our families. God's calling you to be a better spouse. He's calling you to be a better parent. He's calling you to be a better disciple. But there's fear there. If I step out. I'm just going to, I'm going to fall. But that falling could be probably one of the best hits of your life. Wait, I don't want to get hurt. No, sometimes you need to get some bruising. Because here's why. Because when you're at the end of your rope, then that's when you start God's rope. And that's when you really enter faith. And so for some of us, God is calling us to serve. Honestly, I think some of us, that might even be what's keeping us from going to growth track for keeping us from serving on the dream team, from being a small group. And this isn't a pitch because I wholly believe it, with our whole hearts that when you serve Jesus with your whole heart, you know what all of us need? We all need to be loved and accepted, but we all need to be given a purpose. A purpose. It's not enough just, just for us to be accepted because then we, we just go into kumbaya mode. Oh, <laughs> life's so good. I'm so loved. I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> but everything's so good. You know we tell our dream teamers, and this is an essential for us. It can be a little bit, a little bit about you, but it just can't be all about you. Because when we come with our whole hearts ready to serve and give our whole hearts to God, that's when we're at our best. Church becomes a whole lot of fun when we don't come for ourselves. And so God is calling us into our calling, but we got to step out of our control. We got to step out of our control zone. And this, this, this uh, quote just. Urs me from francis chan and he said this is that we shouldn't fear failure what we should fear is succeeding at the wrong things you can put that up on the screen let's not fear failure we gotta fear succeeding at all the right things i don't want to look back on my life and say I did everything exactly, one, two, three, everything's ordered, everything's in control, but I never took a step out to say, God, I'm going to do something that is beyond my control. I can't control this. I can't dictate this outcome, but I'm going to take a step of faith, and I'm going to expect you to do something greater than what I can do for myself. So let's not just succeed at the comfortable things, because uh, the comfortable doesn't need faith. Calling needs faith. And it's only faith that pleases God. So let's jump in. Um, Judges chapter 6, we're going to be looking at the life of Gideon today. I feel like me and Gideon have a lot in common. Me and Gid. Um, He was afraid. He was fearful. But God was just pressing him to take a step. Come on, Gid. you got to step out in faith right now. And I want to give us some context in the book of Judges. The people of Israel, they got in this horrible cycle. Um, Some of us may relate to this. I know I relate to this. Where um, I did my own thing. The scripture says that they did what was right in their own eyes. And then what happened after that is they got enslaved to their sin. God didn't, um, he didn't author their captivity, but he allowed it to happen. That man, God's a gentleman. If you want to run to another source for your freedom, he's not going to stop you. He's going to let you go. And And so that's what happened. Where he... He let them go to captivity. They were in bondage. They cried out to God. God was then a judge to deliver them, and they were free, and the same cycle happened. So they've been um, encamped right now for years to the Midianites. The Midianites were just cruel, um, violent people. So the story picks up with this. The Midianites were so cruel to the Israelites that they made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. Keep going. Camping the land and destroying crops as far as uh, uh, Gaza. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. So check this out. They're so afraid of the Midianites. That every seed that they plant, every crop that they're trying to produce, anything that's going to better their lives, they're so afraid that they don't even plan anymore. That they've created hiding places, AKA a control zone. That I'm not going to go out of this place anymore. I can't live the life that God has for me because I'm too afraid that I'm going to be hurt. I'm too afraid that if I get out of my control, and, and it's not even to live in a life of, of defense is living a life of being a victim. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stay in now. And I think for a lot of us, we feel that same way. God's calling you to invest. God's calling you to put something new out there, but you're afraid to put it out there because you're afraid the millionaires are gonna come and it's gonna rip it out again. And how many of you know that we can't be afraid of failure because failure is a part of the process. One of our values here is that we dream big because our God is big. And here's why. We're never going to install God with small thinking or safe living. So for some of us, we just need to hear that, those words again. I, want, I don't want to live safe. I don't want to think small. God wants me to dream again beyond what I can think or imagine. So now we're going to the scripture where now we're having the highlight of Gideon. Of Gideon in this next passage. So scripture says this. The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ebenezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So what that's saying is that what's the, what's the big deal? Like Gideon is threshing his wheat in the wine press. How many of you know when the scripture puts something in there, those details, it's in there for a reason? And the reason why this is so significant is that you want to thresh wheat outside because when the wind comes, it blows it apart way easier. To try to do that on the inside, that just takes you triple the time, okay? That's like, that's like for me, going to Ikea, getting some furniture, and trying to put it together all by myself with no instructions. Man, I'm going to be there for a couple weeks, right? I'm like, Dad, help me. I will, I will feed you, like hook it up. And so Gideon is threshing wheat in the wine press, but what the scripture is trying to say, that Gideon was scared. He was afraid. And that he wasn't supposed to be there, but he found himself there because he was gripped by fear. And how many of you know that often what we're, call, what we're scared to do is often what God's calling us to do? And so even though he was scared, he was afraid, the things that honestly were most afraid of, there's probably a good chance God is trying to stir inside of you. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. I've given you everything you need to take that step. So the scriptures go on to say this. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I I want to just... Make sure and feel that you're in the wine press. You're, ash- you're probably ashamed of yourself. You're afraid. You're probably not even trying to think about it. Because there's a war going on. Your family, your society, your tribe is being thrashed. And the best you can do is thresh your wheat in your wine press. Some of us feel that way this morning. I have felt that way so many times. I'm just in my wine press. I'm maintaining. I'm trying to get by but the angel of the Lord comes by and says, mighty warrior, God is with you. Now, if you're, if you're really thinking about this, you'd be like, does the angel know who Gideon is? Like, is this, is this like a rookie angel? Like, God, can you help this angel out? Gideon is afraid. He's scared. I mean, mighty and then a hero. Heroes do something, Right? Heroes save people, but Gideon's just trying to save himself right now. But God doesn't call us by what we're doing in the moment. He calls us according to his word. God calls us according to what's true and what's real. So even though Gideon wasn't acting like a mighty hero, he was a mighty hero. He just didn't know it yet. There's a lot of things in our lives that just need to be called out. That as we start walking... The truth of God starts becoming real in our lives. So what he's saying to Gideon, to Gideon, I need you to walk out of your wine press because you're never gonna know how much of a mighty hero you really are. If you just keep threshing, 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 you're gonna, you're not gonna feel it. But if you start getting out of your wine press, you're gonna feel how much of a mighty hero that I've called you to be. I, I can so relate to this so much. Uh, growing up, I was very reserved and quiet, but really what it was is um, I was scared. I just felt so rejected. I would come into a room and I just would just believe that you just didn't want to talk to me. And I am introverted for for sure. Shout out to the introverts. I get you. I get you. Um, I really do. But for me as an introvert, I confuse introversion with uh, intimidation. I thought me feeling intimidated was me being an introvert. No, no, no. God hasn't given any one of us a spirit of, of, of fear or timidity. He's given us all a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And so I remember there was this moment where um, it was in freshman year of high school, and we had this thing called a speech class. Where y'all have to give a speech. And you guys know this Saturday. Saturday. The more people are afraid to give a speech than to do anything else. As in, you rather be the person in the casket than talking about the person in the casket. <laughs> How crazy is that? So I'm literally like, I'm, I'm gonna die if I give this speech. Like, if I if I stand up in front of my peers, I'm just gonna fall over. And it was crazy because I was so afraid to stand up and talk to people, let them look look people in their eyes. That I didn't even give a speech at all. And if you you could give the worst, like, I mean, just horrible speech, and my teacher would give you at least a C because he had the courage to get up there. So not only did I had the shame of not going up there, but I couldn't even get a passing grade in doing that. And so fast forward until uh, I was eighteen years old, I recommitted my life to Christ and. God's calling, I feel, I feel God's calling over my life, and and I'm saying yes to him, and I remember, I'm I'm, I'm in the shower, and God sees me in the shower, don't get weird, okay, and um, I said, God, I think I'd make a a, a good psychologist, yeah, you make a good one, but you'd make a better pastor and a teacher, And and I'm like Gideon, mighty hero, Literally, I'm like, did anyone hear that? It wasn't an audible voice. It was something that God spoke to my heart. But I knew it was him. I knew his voice. I knew God had called me. And I was so afraid. So I went to my youth pastor. Hey, Mike, uh, God's called me to be a pastor. (laughs) I guess I'm going to serve next week. He's like, I've been praying for you. I knew you were called. But I I wanted God to speak to your heart first. So I'm freaking out. Because I think I'm going to speak, like, the next week. And if you're in leadership, you ain't speaking next week, right? You know there's going to be a pruning process. If you want to speak on a platform, you better be humble enough to clean a toilet first. And so, and can I just, I got to make a side note since I'm on that subject, is that, man, some of us, we think that the the latter is this, but this is just maybe 2%, 2% of the real ministry that God does. The real ministry that God wants to do is that people are the purpose. That when you look into someone's eyes and you say, man, you're so loved, you're so valued, God has a purpose for your life, why don't you join me today? Yes. That's ministry. And so I, I, did, I thank God for the, the leaders of my life that, that asked me to grab the chairs in, in, in the sanctuary when nobody was there. When they asked me to <laughs> fill the soda machine, um, when they had all the time in the world. But they asked me to do it because God was shaping my heart in that process. And so thank God that he didn't allow me just to jump up there because I would have screwed everything up. I still had that possibility, by the way. But it's, it's, it's just not as, as great as it was when I was 18. And so for about three months. I didn't, I I, I was supposed, it's like dream team. You go through growth track, you have your interview, you have your orientation. I didn't do my interview orientation for three months because I was so afraid. I was like, oh, I'm sick, Mike. Oh, I got something to do. Uh, I'm going to go see a movie. I mean, I had every excuse, like, in the world. But finally, it was like, hey, uh, Chris, (laughs) why don't you just come to youth group? Okay. And I didn't know how much God was using me in that moment. So long story short, I became a small group leader. He finally asked me to preach. Man, I want to tell you I had the most anointed, fiery, passionate, heaven-opening. Man, if he would have had me keep preaching, I would have grew the youth group down to zero. <laughs> like, it was, it was a horrible, I, I was sweating. I was supposed to preach for 20 minutes. You know how, like, Pastor Matt will preach and I'll give some next steps. I preached for seven minutes. The person who did next steps, they preached an extra 14 or 13 for me just to finish out the day because I was so afraid. And I remember I was just so mad at God. I'm like, why did you ask me to do that? That was so embarrassing. Like, why did you ask me to do that? And and, and I don't want to say God was just like, oh, it's okay, Chris. Like, everything's okay. He didn't do any of that. You just say, Chris, you're called. Chris, you're called. Chris, you're called, you're called, you're called. And that's all I need to hear. And by the grace of God, I got a little bit better than that first time. But that's not even the point. It's not about your ability for God, but it's your availability. And so if you want to step into your calling, don't look at your ability. Don't even think about how much time you have in your week. Because if God's called you to do it, he's gonna make a way. Sometimes we gotta shift things around. And sometimes we gotta manage our time better. Sometimes we need to reprioritize to God's calling. But you're called. Be available to the grace of God. And so just like getting, he's calling us out of our wine press. He's calling us out of our out of our control. He's calling us to our calling to know him and to the, the specific thing that God has called us to do in this season. So as we go on, I want to ask us a question. What are you afraid of? What are you most afraid of to, to, to take a step out of? Is it in your finances? I think for a lot of us, if we're honest, and this is myself included, it's our time. And, and, and I say that it's because we live in such a busy, busy culture. There's so many sports games. There's so many deadlines at our jobs. There's, we're just trying to keep it together and have a decent relationship with God. Just a decent. So I get that. And just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I got a perfect, oh my goodness. I got to do this. I got to do time management, energy management. I have to prioritize. I have to use my calendar. I'm there with you. But I think there's a part of us where we're so afraid to give out that we're not going to receive ourselves. But the scriptures tell us that when we refresh others God refreshes us in the mindset. And so I just man, I just want to encourage us in this whether it's your finances, your time, it could even be within your own family. When I was praying about this, I felt like some of us in this room need to hear, we need to take a step out in our vulnerability. Now, and I know in a room like this that's going to hit probably a couple people. But I I felt like there was a, a specific sense of God's timeliness where you're afraid that if you ex- expose yourself, you're going to be weak. But how many of you know that people don't connect to your strengths? They connect to your weaknesses. They may admire, oh, you're awesome. You have a great highlight reel, but who's the real you? And so when you when you let go of this facade of who you're trying to be and be vulnerable, when you let go of control of that, man, God's, the grace of God's going to be all over your life. And people are going to love you for who you really are. That's why we love small groups here. You know what we tell people is that you can't be fully loved until you're fully known. It doesn't mean you're not lovable. It's just that we don't know the real you. We can't love the real you. And so jumping into a small group is so vital to our faith. Being a small group leader is such, it's so valuable. Because you're creating spaces during the week for people to connect, be loved by God, be loved by one another. And it, it is an incredible honor. And so, where are we afraid to take a step out? Now, Gideon, like us, we hear God's word, we're encouraged, we're inspired, we're ready to go. And that's it, right? Fear is gone. Fear is just over with. No. <laughs> we still got to take that step. And so, this is a longer story, but I'm, I'm going to summarize. And so, basically, God is calling Gideon to go and to destroy the Midianite army. So, Gideon has about 32,000 people in his army, which isn't a lot because compared to the Midianites, they have hundreds and thousands of people. So you already feel the odds are against you. And this is what God says to Gideon. Oh, keep going. I'm sorry. Oh, keep going. (laughs) There's more. You know, go back. I put the wrong scripture up. Don't worry about it. It's in my heart. (laughs) So if you go to chapter seven, what God tells Gideon is this, is that, Gideon, you have too many people on your side in your army. I only got 10,000, God. Sorry, I, I, I only have 32,000 people. <laughs> like, there are hundreds and thousands of warriors. Could you imagine the fear that's coming up in Gideon's heart? God's like, here's, here's what we're going to do, Gideon. Um... Hey, army, everyone who's afraid, you can leave. (laughs) 22,000 people left. Gideon's like, cool, God, all right. 10,000, let's go. 10,000, we can do this. So God goes back to Gideon, you still have too many people. Because if you fight with 10,000 people, people are going to think that you're pretty awesome. But we know that's not true we know that apart from me, you can't do anything, and so Gideon, man, we don't want your head to get too big, and this is the the Chris version, just to let you know, translation, this isn't the NIV or NLT, and so, and this is, you can almost hear God's sense of humor, all right, 10,000, go to this lake, and I want you to drink the water, some of them drank, cupping it like this, and licking it like a dog, some of them went straight to the water and just drank it. He's like, the ones that licked it like a dog, you're out, go home. You gotta pass. So Gideon is now left with 300 men. 300. And now God's like, Gideon, you're set. You're ready. Now you're thinking like, that is so, like, that is, that's horrible, God. Like, why would you do that? But check this picture out. If God in his presence is with you and he's speaking to you you should look at those 300 men and say with God's presence all things are possible if God is for me why am I afraid if the word of the Lord is going forth man I gotta believe that he's gonna tear everything apart that's in my way Here's the key, and here's really, if we're going to tackle fear practically, it's this. Is that the source of your security is going to determine the strength of your faith. The source of your security. Because that's what God was getting with Gideon. Gideon, what makes you feel secure? Is it how awesome you are? Is it how many men that you have? Is it your financial security? Is it how well you're killing it in your marriage? Is it how well you're killing it on your job? What is your security, Gideon? If it's not me, it's going to falter. It's going to fade. It's going to collapse. I need your security to be in me and me alone. He went from 32,000 to 10,000 to just 300 men. That's all that, God, that's all that Gideon needed. Is, where's the 300? A lot of you know that this last uh, year, man, it's so emotional. Um, I, I don't know if I'm emotional because I'm sick. Usually when I'm sick, I cry more. So t- take take with a grain of salt. I think it's a little sickness, a little me. It's all, all in the same one. Um, but this last year was probably one of the most difficult years um of our lives. Gotta say though, Laura, and I, we celebrated marriage seven years yesterday. How awesome is that? I definitely married up. I don't believe in luck, but I'm hecka lucky. Okay, I'm just gonna say that. But this last year was. So Oh, crazy. A lot of you guys know the story is that Lauren got pregnant with her second child. We found out that she wasn't going to live outside of the womb. Her um, Her name's Ezra. And, man, it was, it was a crazy process where there was tears, there was joy, there was pain, there was purpose. There just wasn't one thing. We felt the multiplicity of emotions. And situations, and, and and you can imagine just the fear of like, like what, what's next? What are we gonna do? There's a part that says, "Man, let's go." There's other part that's like, "I don't know. I'm a little afraid." And so, even though as crazy as it was, that's what we felt like last year. We felt so secure with the thirty-two thousand, and then we went to the ten thousand, and then we got to the three hundred. We were just so. Um, distraught and fearful. And there was great times, but there was also a lot of hard times. But you know, we chose joy. We chose God's peace. We chose God's mercy. We chose his plan. And it was so crazy because um, two weeks ago, we had Dr. J come through. Some of you guys were here for that. Amazing, amazing man of God. And it was amazing that even in a service like this, God would call Laura and I um, to the front. It wasn't Dr. J speaking, it was God's heart speaking to us. And he didn't even know that we were married, right? He goes to Lauren, like, hey that guy on your arm, are you married? Like, she has Christopher on my on my arm, on her arm. And he, he didn't even know I was a pastor on staff. he anyway, like he just thought, man, I'm gonna prophesy right now. And he said things about me, which were on point. He said things about Lauren that were on point, and then he brings us together. It's like don't be afraid to expand your family. Don't be afraid. And it was so amazing because it was such the grace of God because the Thursday before that Sunday, it was as just one year. So you just can't you can't plan that. You can't time that perfectly. It was only the grace of God. And so even in the the hardest of times, we saw God's faithfulness, we saw his grace. And even though we only have 300 men, we have the grace of God behind us. And that's what I want to stir and encourage in you. What the psalmist says in Psalm 35, which is this say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He's coming to save you. See, when you step out of your wine press, You're going to feel the Midianites coming after you. You're going to feel the anxiety. You're going to feel the pain. You're going to feel the depression. You're going to feel the anger. You're going to feel the fear. But God's saying, don't fear. Because not only am I going to save you, but I'm going to come after your enemies. I'm going to save you. I'm going to deliver you. And I'm going to show you that I'm my God, that I'm your God. I'm going to show you what is beyond your own capability that when I'm in control, all things are possible. Do you know what anxiety is? Anxiety is simply trying to control the things that we can't control. Peace happens when we allow God to control only the things that he can control. So when we allow God to control the things that he can control, When we we give him everything that belongs to him, that's when the peace of God settles in. So I just want to stir you today. I want to encourage you today. Where is God asking you to step? Is it in your finances? Is it in your time? Is it maybe in vulnerability in your own heart? There's some things that no one else sees, but only God sees. And God doesn't care about the external. He cares about the heart. So the world tells us to fake it until we make it. But God says, don't fake it until you make it. Because that's a very exhausting journey. Jesus tells us that when we let go of our lives, we actually gain control. Because he's in control. And then when our life is in his hands, that's when we're going to live our best lives. And so let's just be so by the word of God this morning, that God is for us, that he's with us, and that if he's for us, nobody can be against us, and we can take that step of faith.